Hello and welcome to episode Joe Corvo of the Cost Per Pointcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Colin Cudmore. Well, Colin, I feel like it's specifically your big day coming up because of how much work you've put into previewing the 2020 draft. How does it feel now that it's just a little over a week away? Man, I am excited. It is nine days until the draft. As of uh, when we're recording, I think it'll be eight days when it goes up. But man, it's been a long, long time coming. I and mean, with ever since it's been delayed, I've just been looking forward to draft day for a while now. I mean, it's been a year. It's been a long year of draft coverage. So glad to finally have it wrapped up. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited, man. Totally. I mean, it's been what uh, two, no, three, three and a bit extra months. Yep. Um, since it would have normally been, and man, just just even since like the lottery um, at the end of June when the draft should have been, that's felt like a lifetime. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and you know, for for the listeners who are unaware, um, Colin's done so much work with the draft in terms of uh, looking at a plethora of, of prospects that the Sens could pick, or not even guys that they could pick. You know, just guys in the even in the second and third round as well. So. I feel like this is kind of like your baby, so it's, true. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And tr- from, from tracking lists all year to yeah, uh, Ari at Silver Seven as well has been doing a lot of great coverage. We've pretty much written an entire draft guide at this point. So go over oh, yeah. to Silver Seven Cents, check out everything we've been written, uh, written down. You'll see the tag. You'll say 2020 NHL Draft. Just go through everything. We have profiles and all the top players and even players that were just favorites. Um, even the draft debater series, you'll remember that from, I mean, it feels like an eternity ago that we did that Mm -hmm. on this, uh, podcast, but, uh, uh, all that can finally come to full circle now into the draft. So, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just excited for everything to finally be done and see who the Suns pick. Hopefully some of the players that we covered, because in previous years, they seem to avoided those guys with the flag. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, I I mean, at least, at least some of the top players we, we know that they'll be picking. So we'll go over that. Although I think it's worth diving into some, um, Interesting sense news that's come out in just the couple, last couple of days. First is the Bobby Ryan uh, situation. They, the sense have bought out his contract the last couple of years of that. Um, I don't know. So, what are your take? What's your uh, what's your kind of immediate take on this, Trevor? I mean, I don't think anyone expected this to happen, especially because you know it would have made more sense maybe after 2017 or 2018 when they were well i guess after 2018 i mean they weren't you know they had already sold off a couple pieces um but at that point it was a lot more a lot more people wanting him gone just because of his contract but with where the senators are now i mean they're it it won't be a real issue getting to the floor but you know this they'll still have to add like another contract or two just to get to the floor so the fact that they're gonna reduce ryan's cap hit for this coming season um is a bit surprising because they'll have to you know, somehow get that salary back on the books, um, you know, and especially just after coming off of the Bill Masterton uh, award win. And, you know, it seems like he's in a much better place mentally. And yeah, so I mean, it's it's not as if Ryan was totally taking up spots from players. I think he could could have easily played on the third line and, you know, he could have kept Batherson in the top six. But yeah, it's definitely odd timing just after that Masterton win. But at the same time, it's not as if this is a huge loss for the team. But I do think a lot of people were connected to him, connected to him within the community. So I guess optic wise, optics wise, it's not the best. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of right there with you. It's it's just it's, it caught me off guard, but it also feels like a bit of a gut punch to Ryan to see him yeah. go through everything he's gone through and support him through all of that, and then just buy his contract. So. Um, 
hopefully he'll land on his feet somewhere. I'm sure he'll get another contract somewhere. Uh, but I, I, as well, you mentioned that he wasn't really uh, um, super important to the team. I mean, he did look re- rejuvenated after he came back, although was, he definitely still had his career low season. Um, but I, I, the thing is that the organization has pointed it out that it's uh, it's a move to make space for the young players. But at the same time, you look at the Suns' depth chart, they have three contracts right now for tw- <laughs> for the next season. Of course, some of the, some RFAs are going to be re-signed, but you look at the right-wing depth chart, you got Connor Brown, Drake Batherson, and then, like, who else after that? Like, mm-hmm. maybe you could get... Maybe you do Clary moves to the right wing. Maybe Abramov does the same thing. But is Jonathan Davidson, do you expect him to, to be one of those young guys getting games next year? Is Scott Sabrent going to come back? Who knows? So, <laughs> um, like, you talk about... You see the team looking and trying to get that veteran presence and whatever, and... Like they, they've they've let Mark Borowiecki go, who I thought would have been uh, perfect to fill that, and then Bobby Ryan as well, who who uh, has been has a plethora of NHL experience too uh, at at a high level. So you think he would have been perfect to mentor someone like Batherson even. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it still feels weird, and the organization says that. So yeah, the organ- so Pierre Dorian has been saying that it's to make space for the young parts, but I just personally don't buy that. Um, like of course because of the depth chart, but also like whenever it's a cost-saving move for the Senators, it's hard to think of it in any other terms because, right. of course, of, of Eugene Melnick and, and the sense of trying to have... It's a, it's another move in the long line of, of Sens moves that have tried to save some money. So that's kind of how I've just seen this trade is is another move to save Melnick a, few, a bit more cash. Uh, they're going to have to get to the cap floor, although I'm not too, too worried about that. Their RFAs uh, should take up pretty much all of that, so... But yeah, uh, best of luck to Ryan and wherever he ends up because uh, his time with the Senators, as controversial as it was, um, it's gonna he he's definitely planted some lasting memories. For sure. And I think a lot of people over the past year or two uh, started to really pull for Ryan just because, you know, see, seeing the struggles that he, he went through. Um, and, and you mentioned about Melnick. And yeah, you're right. Like to me, it just seems like a move where he was desperate to save money um in the short term like right now he needs to save a couple million dollars Mm -hmm. so you know you buy with the contract sure you still gotta you know pay it what i think for four more years i guess but if it's spread out more that's you know a bit more tangible for him so um yeah i really hope that he does sign with the team somewhere i i'd be kind of surprised honestly if if no one wants to um give him a shot like you know at least on the third line with some some power play minutes or something like that um but yeah and and as we mentioned in the in the notes here i think it's worth mentioning and i'm sure everyone has already seen this on twitter but not a single player left from the 2017 stanley cup or um playoff run i should say i guess the only other player that played in a game those playoffs that has left is colin white and he played like three minutes in one game in the conference yeah. finals so it is, I mean, that has to be the quickest turnaround for a team that went to the conference finals. I, I can't imagine there being a, a team being dismantled that quickly. It feels like a perpetual teardown. <laughs> like, how how much further can you go with this teardown? Um, they, they, they had their core, and they, they went far with it, and they showed that they could build around it if possible. But, yeah, everything's changed quickly. I also want to talk a bit about uh, Ryan's contract because I think it's worth mentioning that his signing bonuses are still going to be on the books for the sentence and and honestly I feel like that's still the biggest sticker for Melnick is going to be being able to pay those two million dollar signing bonuses for the next couple years so mm-hmm. um 
if uh, it definitely saves him some salary. Although I feel like that's not really where it's going to be hitting Melnick in in the uh, in, in the gut as much. It's going to be those signing bonuses. So those are still on the books. So, but yeah, you're right. It's still some short term cash saving, and uh, of course it's wor- also worth mentioning um, Ryan's work. Yeah, you mentioned in the community and all we did with the All Star Kids for Chio. Um, I'm pretty sure that's still going on from what I've heard. Um, but yeah, he uh, the, the lasting impact on the community is is uh, amazing. So. Thank you, Bobby. We, we appreciate this time with the Sens. Totally. And so he ends his career in Ottawa, seven seasons, 455 games with 266 points. Kind of amazing that he's been there, been here since uh, 2013. It you mm-hmm. know, definitely seems shorter than that. But uh, yeah, we wish him all, all the best. And uh, hopefully he uh, finds a good spot somewhere. For sure. Well, I think it's worth moving on to our main portion of this episode, and we just want to talk a lot about the draft, because that is happening next week, and both of us, of course, are super excited. So uh, first on our agenda, I think we want to go through just some scenarios that could play out for the top few picks. So obviously, the Senators have the third overall pick and the fifth overall pick that was determined back at the draft lottery on June. Um, so I don't know, Trevor, what are your thoughts? How do you How do you kind of see this draft playing out so far? Yeah, well, so when when Dorian was talking to, I believe it was TSN twelve hundred. Is that correct? Yeah. Or yeah, when, yeah he, he talked to a few places, but yeah. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. Either way, so he he talked uh, to the media a few days ago and pretty much confirmed that they'll be taking whoever the Kings don't take between Byfield and Stutzla. Um, you know, he he said something about like we all know that what the or, or I can't, I can't remember the words exactly, so I don't want to misquote him, but. Pretty much guaranteed that he's going to be taking one of those players. And, you know, I think we're on the same page with this where I would absolutely love to have Quinton Byfield, but I don't want to get my hopes up. Um, I would definitely love to have Stutzla as well, although I'm just not as high on him. I think there's a bit of a chance that he's being a bit hyped up. I know some publications have been a bit lower on him. Like, for example, Scott Wheeler had him, I think, seventh uh, on, mm-hmm. on the list for this draft. So to me, I think, I, I know some people have said, okay, maybe Stutzler can be uh, even better than Lafreniere. To me, I think Byfield has the higher ceiling. So, you know, whoever they get, they're going to be getting a fantastic prospect. And I, I don't want to get my hopes up with, with getting Byfield. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, the Kings certainly could take Stutzler as well. Yeah, for sure. And you look at the Kings' connections to Germany, anyways. Like their yeah. LA Kings owner uh, owns the owns the DEL team in Berlin. Um, I mean, Stuttgart plays for Mannheim, not Berlin, but it's still uh, interesting connections there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of on the same page. Where even if the Suns do take Stuttgart third overall, um, I, I'll still be extremely happy and welcome with open arms, and I, I'll be super yeah. excited for what he can do in the future because it's it's undeniable that his puck skills are maybe the best in this draft class. Like, it's pretty amazing how well we can handle the puck. But my, my concern with Stutzla is that he kind of tends to overhandle it sometimes, and he can get get himself into some pretty sticky situations that he tries to do too much with the puck sometimes. And and I, I kind of want to see him utilize his vision better. And he works so well in tight spaces, but I'm also concerned that those tight spaces, when he gets to higher levels, will not necessarily be there all the time for him. So... Um, I maybe want to see a bit more diversity in Stutzla's game, but of course, the, the raw tools there are undeniable. And, he, and when people say he could be better than Lafreniere, I, I, I can totally see that happening too, just with how high-end his some of his puck skills are. But of course, Quinton Byfield is Quinton Byfield, and I have Byfield closer to Lafreniere than any other prospect in this draft class. 
Um, <laughs> we, we talk about puck skills for Stutzla, but Byfield is also right there uh, with him in, in terms of just how well he can dance past opponents and how well he can just dominate the ice with his size, his speed, and just everything about his game, how well he sees the ice, how well he can set up teammates, how well he gets to the net too. He's a, he's a natural goal scorer too. I could rave about Byfield for days, and he mm-hmm. seems like such an amazing person off the ice too. He's already been doing some um, philanthropy work in Sudbury. So um, I'm totally on team Byfield here, uh, but Stutzla would be an amazing compensation package if uh, LA Kings go for Byfield. So. Totally, and, and you would immediately fall in love with Stutzla as well. So I, I don't want to like knock him and... and act like you know he's not a good prospect because to be honest that's the more likely scenario so um i'd be you know totally happy to have him um i think one more note uh, on byfield is interesting is that you know you think about centers who are his size in the past you know 15 20 years you're pretty much only looking at guys like evgeny malkin and anze kopitar and you know if byfield comes any becomes anything close like those players you know Either Ottawa or LA is just going to be ecstatic at getting that kind of player, for sure. And if, uh, that's not to say that Byfield still has some things to work on as well. Uh, I think he still needs to use his frame better. I think there's still times where he needs to um, get pucks to his teammates a bit, bit faster, and just be able to be able to navigate the ice with a bit more um, agility. But of course, like the, again, the, the ceiling is extremely high there. And uh, although, although. If, if I'm managing Byfield's development, I'd probably put him in the OHL for another year just to see him uh, really amp things up. But, of course, mm-hmm. he could play in the NHL next year as well. Um, and, I, yeah, I, I still see that in Byfield. Another thing mentioning with Stutzla that puts me a bit lower on him, I am actually have an article coming up pretty soon about this, but with, with Stutzla, he's playing in the DEL, which is a pro league, but it's not a very good pro league. And it's still comparable to... It's actually closer in comparison to some junior leagues in terms of, like, NHL... Um, NHL equivalency scores like the Junior ASM Liga or the Super Elite League than mm-hmm. than to the actual pro leagues in Sweden and Finland. So while he did dominate there, and we saw what he could do with the World Juniors too, and he can totally dominate against against uh, uh, better competition. But um, yeah, it's just something that gives me a little bit more pause with Stutzla compared to someone like like Byfield, who uh, we know can dominate the OHL and we know has these such amazing raw skills. But again. Either player, I'd be super happy with, even though I have my preferences. Whatever happens, I'll, I'll be happy with third overall. It's 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 so rare that a team is in this kind of situation anyways with two of these top picks, so it's kind of really hard to go wrong in this scenario. For sure. Um, moving on to the fifth overall pick. Well, actually, first of all, let's, let, let's talk about what we think Detroit could do at four, because obviously that will, um, you know, whoever they pick will determine... Um, who Ottawa wants to take at five. So Cole Perfetti has obviously been uh, connected to them for months now. I think Sam Cosentino was the first one to say that. Um, I'm assuming others have, you know, confirmed that as well, but that's not a guarantee. I don't know. Like, are you just expecting Perfetti to go there or do you think someone else could? I mean, at this point, I'm kind of expecting it for sure. Um, I mean, we know Steve Eisenman can just really go for his guy and just go all all in on it even if he may be passing on some other players even though perfetti at fourth overall is is something i, I can definitely come in but obviously nhl teams are chaotic and they can do go for whatever and so we if we're talking about other guys that could be available for the sense at fifth lots of these guys could also go to the red wings so rossi holtz Wondell. uh they could even maybe go for a defenseman who knows like like drysdale or sanderson um i, I it'll probably be a forward and i think it'll likely likely be perfetti i kind of 
I, I, I'm the more I see these rumors pop up, the more I trust it is going to be Perfetti. But um, either way, it, it's uh, the the, the are still going to have a plethora of options at fifth overall. It's it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be slim pickings for them. That's for sure. For sure. And then so if Perfetti is gone at fourth, then at fifth you're looking at Lucas Raymond, Marco Rossi, um, maybe one of the defensemen, Jamie Drysdale or Jake Sanderson. And and so uh, an interesting name that has been brought up recently by Jeff Merrick on the 31 Thoughts podcast was Jack Quinn of the Ottawa 67s, Marco Rossi's teammate. Um, now he's obviously in the kind of, he's normally around 12, I think, kind of in that 10 to 15 range. Um, you know, I've seen him maybe a bit higher, like eight or nine a couple times, but Merrick was saying that Quinn and Sanderson and maybe even Askarov, um, are connected to Ottawa. What do you think about if Ottawa took Quinn at five? Because, you know, this is obviously the first time we've even considered Quinn at five, but I don't know, like what, what are your thoughts on that? If that actually happened? Yeah. I mean, Ari and I did 10 profiles of individual players that could potentially be taken in the top 10 range and Jack Quinn was not one of them and we look at his expected <laughs> you, you look at his expected range and it's currently 11th to 21st so um well I think I could I could, I could still go on and say great things about Jack Quinn I know he's a natural goal scorer um he really exploded onto the scene this year he even has some some decent playmaking instincts too that I think are a bit underrated um and it also, it's also worth mentioning that he did not benefit from Marco Rossi besides on the power play. Uh, at 5v5, he was on a completely separate line with completely separate players. So it, it, those connections can kind of be split up that way. But at the same time, like his skill set just isn't as high end as some of the some of the other players we're considering. Like if you want to take a goal scorer, Alexander Holtz is right there. And he's literally one of the best goal scorers we've seen in, in this draft in years yeah. with an amazing, amazing shot, like Ovechkin level shot. I'm not even kidding. He could, he could score 20 plus goals in the NHL next year, just off his shot. Of course, there'd be other parts of his game that would probably suffer because of that. But uh, Holtz or even like, I actually have Jacob Perot in a similar range to Jack Wynn as well, uh, just with, with uh, their goal scoring ability and just how energetic he can be on the ice, Jacob Perot. But uh, it's also worth like talking about, like if we're talking about the rumors that were going around, it's, we kind of have to weigh, look at all these rumors. And I think I, I personally give a bit more credence to the rumors of uh, Lucas Raymond at fifth overall, because I think we've seen both Haley Salvian and Bruce Garriak mention Lucas Raymond by name as someone the Senators have, have had interest in. So uh, of course, that's the pick I'm more hopeful for. If you've been reading my coverage at all, you know, you know I'm a huge Lucas Raymond fan. Um, Super, super quick, super, super agile. Um, he's an amazing playmaker, too. And you see how well he's doing right now in the SHL in, in the new season, too. He's kind of confirming all these other things that we're seeing. Uh, last year, he didn't score a lot of points because he was most mostly playing as a 13th forward on Frolunda. So uh, now he's getting some more time. Now he's, we're getting to see what he can actually do with, with uh, decent teammates against decent competition. So... Um, I have no doubt in my mind that Raymond is, will be my favorite player, and I hope that the Suns can take him fifth overall if the Red Wings don't take him. But uh, yeah, someone like Quinn, even Askarov and Sanderson, those are two other players I'm lower on than most uh, for different reasons. Um, but yeah, Raymond is my guy. Rossi, Perfetti, Holt, Swandell, those are kind of the other guys in that tier I would probably uh, be most happy with personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just gonna ask you to to rank some of those guys, but it seems like you're, um, you know, Raymond, and then three of 
three or four of the others, and then Quinn Askarov and Sanderson are kind of at the bottom. But um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of I, I'm really hopeful that they take Raymond, and and I agree with you that um, you know, obviously the Garriock and Salvian reports saying that they're interested in him. I hope those are true. But uh, there's a part of me that's just, you know, I, I'm aware of how many times they've sort of gone for the unconventional pick, and I could totally see them taking Stutzla at three, which is the consensus pick, and then kind of going off the board a bit, whether that's Sanderson or Quinn. And I, I don't know if that's just, you know, part of my cynicism. And, and And the thing is, like, if they did get one of those guys, I would be you know, like in the following season, I would be hyping them up a lot because they are very good prospects. I yeah. just wouldn't want them at that spot because of who they'd be leaving on the board. So it, it would sort of be like a um, Kachuk Zadina situation where even at the time, I mean, I'll, I'll be willing to admit I was, I was a bit wrong about Kachuk and his ceiling and everything. But at the time it wasn't like, okay, I don't like, it wasn't that I didn't like Kachuk. It was that I'd rather have Zadina, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I, I really hope they don't go off the board like that. But I, honestly, like after those rumors came out, I am just even more clueless about who they're going to take. Like I could legitimately see six or seven different players being being taken by them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, should I spoil my draft rankings article a bit? Give some rankings Go out? Go for it. Go for it. Uh, so on my draft rankings, I actually have Lucas Raymond at third overall, uh, Marco Rossi fourth, uh, followed by Tim Stutzla, then Cole Perfetti at sixth, uh, Anton Liddell seventh. I like his, his all-around defensive game. He can really play. Um, he, could step in the, in, he could step into the NHL as soon as possible. And, and then after that, I have Holtz, then Drysdale uh, at ninth. And then you actually have to skip down a bit to find the next few. I have Jake Sanderson at 16th. Jack Quinn, 17th, and then Askarov, I actually have him outside of my first round, which is kind of mm. against, against the consensus, but if you've, I, I wrote a profile on Askarov a couple months ago on Silver 7, and you just look at how random goalies are in the NHL, it is super unlikely that you'll ever get a true number one starter in any goalie ever. Um, Lundqvist is the only guy in the last two decades to have actually like bucked that trend, so um, yeah, uh, I, I know, I know, I it's it's great to look at Askarov and see how well he's doing in the KHL and he's do, or sorry in the, in the VHL he's playing right now. He's been totally lighting up that week so far this year. But uh, goalies, I there's a reason I avoid them in the first round at all costs. So mm-hmm. yeah, and with the amount of forwards available and what they need, right? Yeah, it's, very true. It's so hard to pass up on those guys. True, but I'm ho- I'm hoping for the best right now. <laughs> I'm trying to stay optimistic because it's hard mm-hmm. to it, it's where I get to get this kind of optimism with the sense so let's hope they don't crush it on draft day yeah and you know what it, it'll be there'll be so much to talk about regardless like i i would say best case scenario for me would be byfield and raymond and yep. you know that would i would just be you know so happy if that happened um but you know like i said i feel like there could be so many different scenarios and no matter what there's going to be discussions for 
honestly for months until until training camp really so um yeah i can't wait for those two picks uh anything else from those top 10 to 15 guys um i think that's all i mean the third and fifth overall like it's it's a historic it's it's a it's a historic occasion just to have these two picks in general so um, the Suns are, are hopefully going to set themselves up for the next decade with this. It's going to be a franchise-altering day. So, again, I'm just super excited. Just can't wait to see what actually happens because it's been a long time coming now. Yeah. Um, moving on to their 28th overall pick, which I should preface this with, man, it really is a bummer how far that pick fell because obviously it was from the Islanders in the Pajot trade. Still a fantastic trade. Still would do it today. They got a first and a second. Um, but you know, it had the potential to go as high as 13th, more likely 15th. Um, and, and even if Islanders didn't go to the conference finals, I think they would have picked 21st. So like seven, seven spots is not insignificant. So I don't know. Um, are, are there guys that you kind of have your eye on at 28th overall? Yeah. Well, I can kind of, I can kind of even lump in 28th and 33rd and a few other second round picks in this, in this yeah. uh, range, because like. The draft is so random, and after like that first 10 picks, anything can really happen, even within those 10 picks, actually. So I have a few players jotted down that I have um, on my board uh, higher than 28th and 33rd, but could fall uh, to that pick. So my f- personal favorite is Maverick Bork. Uh, plays for Shawinigan in the QMJHL. Um, extremely deceptive player. He isn't, he isn't the fastest and most energetic player, but he's able to control opponents so well, and um, it's just such a gifted playmaker, and just knows how to make everyone around him better uh responsible uh defensive center too but it's really the offense that sells me and he put up some amazing numbers in the qmghl this past year and the second guy on my list as a, a guy i've previously mentioned jacob perot love his goal scoring abilities he's totally energetic on the ice and he could even be a top 10 prospect in this draft when he's really on his game but the consist the consistency issues are pr- pretty real with him um there are some games where he just didn't look like that high-end player at all um, so I'm gonna. Be- I like betting on players when I see them at their best. Um, I take Will Scoach's advice on that, and uh, Jacob Pro is a guy that I, I think the Sens should be taking risks on players like that. Another guy that's kind of in a similar category is Marat Kuznetsov, who is a player that in previous years, if I hadn't been following the draft this closely, I probably would not have been this high on him. He's a guy who has kind of decent, not amazing numbers in the MHL. Um, which is a league that's generally pretty chaotic, but I, I mean, he's a player I've 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 had the I've uh, been able to watch a bit more because uh, all MHL games are actually free on YouTube. It's it's kind of fun, but oh wow, he's such an exciting player offensively. He knows how to make he knows how to break pucks through the zone. He gets total control in the offensive zone. He sets up teammates extremely well. He gets high danger chances, which is not something you see a lot in the MHL. Uh, he's totally able to dominate that way. So, while I'm still definitely skeptical that the production didn't really start coming until the second half of the year, uh, I still am a huge fan. Um, kind of an opposite guy, where he has amazing production, but uh, some skills are kind of <laughs> iffy on him, is Zion Nybeck, which, one, amazing name. Um, but I also want to mention that, like, NHL, NHL Central Scouting is actually kind of low on him. I don't, I don't have the ranking in front of me, but, like, they have him in a range where he could even fall to, like, the third or even fourth round. Uh, and also, because he's a smaller player... Um, and has a bit, uh, he isn't the most agile player either. So, so some scouts will definitely be turned away by him, but those are the four forwards that I'm kind of really high on. Um, do you want me to continue ranting or do you want to add in your two cents? No, first? Go, go ahead for the D. <laughs> right. Yeah, go ahead for it. All right. So I have four defensemen as well, because even though I think the 10 should be going 
on the elite forwards here. I think there are some defensemen worth considering in this range. And the first one for me, I know I've got a bit of flack for this, but it's Jeremy Poirier, uh, QMJHLer, but he's extremely electric offensively on the power play. He is totally dominant, like in every single facet. He has incredible puck skills, incredible vision. Like he has literally top twenty talent in this draft. Uh, but again, or not again, but but. The thing is that he is kind of bad defensively, and when I say kind of bad, I mean like really, really bad. Like he <laughs> he makes some, he makes extremely questionable decisions that makes coaches pull their hair out. It's he's that type of player. Um, so again, kind of like Perot, I, I like to bet on the players when I see them at their best. And Poirier is a guy I could see explode into into becoming a number one defenseman, flat out. Um, he just he can just alter the game when the puck is on his stick. Um, so yeah. He's one guy. Uh, then we have to get into the Swedish trio of Helga Granz, Emil Andre, and William Wallander. They're all super chaotic. They're all super fun to watch. Uh, Helga Granz is my favorite of the bunch because he's actually, I think he's six foot three, um, but he doesn't play like a six foot three player. He literally loves to make these risky plays in the offensive zone. He likes to dangle through opponents. He doesn't use his body much, and he can have some de- defensive lapses, but I think there's a. Um, uh, there, even though there is some room for def- refinement, I think he has, he has um, enough vision and raw tools for me to really be excited about him. And similar thing with Emil Andre, except he's just much, much shorter. So, uh, And then William Wallander is also actually a tall player as well, but um, just loves to make zone transitions and loves to be even more chaotic. So uh, you can read, we have profiles on all three of, the, on all of these players actually on Silver 710, so I recommend checking it out. But uh, those are some eight players. That I personally have on my list in that range for the Sens, but uh, of course there's there's so 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 many ways they can go with that. So who really knows? But that's just me getting my hopes up for sure. And you know, there's always guys that you'll hope for in like the second round or, or late first round, and they're rarely ever they rarely ever do take who you want. I can off the yeah. top of my head, I remember I really wanted Schlopik. They took him. Um, I think I was pretty high on Tyconic. Yeah. Um, obviously, he hasn't really progressed since then, but I was high on him. But other than that, like, it's usually guys, you know, I had no idea who Pinto was. Yeah. Um, it's even same with Sogard. Like, they're usually a bit off the board. So, um, you know, I agree with every single one of the one of the, the, the eight players that you listed there. I would love to get any one of them. So, mm-hmm. You know, my, my list is pretty similar. Uh, a couple others I think Ottawa might be interested in that I would also like is uh, Jan Myshak and Tyson Forster. Um, I've seen Ottawa connected to Forster recently. Hmm. Um, it would be a bit surprising if they took, like, Quinn fifth overall and then also Forster just because they're both yeah. known for their goal scoring. So I hope that wouldn't be the case. Um, but I could definitely see, you know, if they end up taking the regular pick of Raymond, let's say, um, I could certainly see them taking Forster. That definitely seems like an Ottawa-type pick late in the first round. Um, and, and in terms of guys who they could maybe reach on, whether it's at 28 or 33rd or even a bit later, um, someone was saying that I, I, a scout maybe was um, talking about how he could see Luke Evangelista of the uh, London Knights maybe going yeah. in the first round. I could hmm. see a team like Ottawa reaching there. Um, and then obviously we've kind of joked throughout the year about how, you know, Tyler Cleveland's sort of this Jared Cowan, Logan Stanley type guy. So I could, you know, maybe they're high on him. And oh, then also uh, Dylan Peterson, who's, uh, he's a North Dakota commit, right? 
I don't. No, I don't believe so. Uh, oh no. Is he? Why did Hold I on. think? I think he might be actually. No, he's committed to Boston University. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm mixing him him up with someone else then. It's but... because it's because he's from Ottawa and uh, has the connections oh. and, and played in Ottawa and is a six right. four center. So. Okay. Yeah. Because he because you had said that he would be like an Ottawa type pick, right? Yeah. Well, it's because he's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's a center. He's six foot four. He plays in the USDP, but also played in Ottawa previously, and he has lots of local connections. Right. Uh, I mean, he, he is committed to Boston University, not North Dakota. I guess that's the one uh, one difference I see, there. I see. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, e- either way, like those three guys are, are kind of in the mold of guys who maybe they'd reach on a bit. Um, to be fair to Evangelista, you know, he did have good numbers. He had 61 points in 62 games. So it's not like he was terrible or anything, but he's sort of ranked in the second or third round. But. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they didn't take any of the 10 guys that we like that we just listed. So, um, yeah. And I don't know. Do you have anything to say about the guys that I just mentioned there? Actually, I do, because uh, I like that you mentioned Tyson Forrester. I love his natural goal scoring ability, but I think this guy that's just popped into my head, the guy to compare him to is Matt Pumple, a guy who was taken in, totally. the, in, the, in the late first round, natural goal scorer. Uh, but also had some mobility issues, um, and Pumple um, sort of overcame that. Uh, he he's done well in the AHL for himself, and I think he still could be a useful NHLer if he can uh, improve his consistency a bit more. But uh, Forrester actually kind of reminds me a lot of Matt Pumple at that stage. So um, maybe not the most apt comparison. I'm kind of just going off of, of general style of play here. But uh, I think Tor- Forrester could definitely find uh, a niche for himself in the NHL as a goal scorer. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just interesting thought. I actually like, uh, I like that you brought up Jan Misak too. Um, interesting player to watch out. He's dominated the Czech pro league for a few years now, which is r- rare to see in for prospects of, uh, of his age. He's one of the younger players in, in the draft too. So I haven't mm-hmm. seen, I, I hadn't seen the Forrester connection, so I'll be interested to see that. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there, there's, the uh, NHL teams are chaotic at the draft and if it's in, uh, and Ottawa has been kind of a demonstration of that in the past few years anyways. So uh, hopefully that takes someone <laughs> at least one player that we've mentioned but uh of course yeah. because they, they have so many picks too like so much can happen anyways but uh yeah for it, sure and and i think um one guy i was maybe gonna list too is martin chromiak who mm-hmm. uh he, he didn't have amazing point totals but i can't remember where but i remember seeing somewhere that he had pretty good possession numbers and like zone entry numbers or something like that so um I just remember his underlying numbers were a bit better than than the surface level ones. So he could yeah. be a guy that could be interesting in that range as well. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think about trade options for them? Because it seems like, it, I don't know, just, just with like national media and I guess like Garriok too, it, it's sort of like this assumption that they have to trade one of these, like either the Islanders pick or one or two of their second rounders, either to move up or to get a player. Um I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on what they could or should do? Well, I'm, prob- I'm probably poking Silver 7 a lot this episode, but I, I suggest checking out Ari's piece. Um, he had a great case for why the Senators should make all of their picks this draft. But at the same time, I mean, we've seen so many rumors, and I, I'm actually kind of anticipating that either the 28th or 33rd overall pick are going to be traded for yeah. a roster player. And uh, uh, especially if it's a goalie, I'm not going to be on board with that. Um Maybe if they can get some nice young talent out of that, um, sure. But any attempt at, at trading a draft pick for something that's not a draft pick just seems like an attempt to accelerate the rebuild. I put that in quotes. But um, 
that's not what the Suns need to be doing now. They need to be making these picks and building that strong core for their future so they can actually have that foundation, have those options so that when they have these elite players starting to come up, that they can have options to build around them and turn themselves into a contender because that's what they need to do is they need to build around the court they have, which is what they fail to do with uh, guys like Carlson and Stone and uh, and all and all the rest. So <sighs> I'm not optimistic about this. I think that mm-hmm. Pierre Dorian has uh, a tendency in, in previous years to give away second round draft picks like candy. So hopefully he doesn't do that this year. Um, but yeah, they, that's that's kind of where my expectation is that they aren't going to make all the picks. But uh, color me surprised. Dorian, surprise me. Please um, make as many picks as you can because I mean, I'll make I, me happy. Yeah, same here. And I agree. Um, there's no need to... There's no such thing really as, as too many picks, um, especially with... like They'll have a lot of guys graduating, like Ari says in his piece. Um, I will say the one good thing about Dorian is he he doesn't sit back and do nothing. So like Uh, he does, he does make a lot of moves and um, you know, not always the best ones, but at least it's interesting. And you know, I I can't wait to see what he does. Um, But I could totally see them trading a second round pick for a goalie. Like I'm almost kind of expecting Matt Murray to be here, even though he's, I don't know. I'm not even necessarily sure he's like a top 15 goalie in the league. So He's Not very, um, yeah, like he's very up and down, um, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see having all these picks, and I, I will say mm-hmm. if they're able to get an actual impact player, so whether that's a top six forward or a top four D for um, you know a guy who is let's say under twenty five, then it's worth it to me. Then it's worth it to use those picks. Um, as long as it's not, you know, an insane amount that you're giving up, um, just because a guy like that, you know, for example, if they, if they end up getting, I don't know, Brock Besser, not that they would, but just to throw a name out there, that's someone that you could actually build around in your top six and it wouldn't be just like some sort of stopgap. But Mm -hmm. I do think that teams aren't really going to be willing to move up, uh, move those guys just for like a first or second. So, um, that'll be pretty tough. So two points I want to bring up. The first one regarding Matt Murray in general, and creating for going in general. I think I kind of mentioned this when I was talking about Askarov, but like goalies are so random, man. You can you can trade for a top ten yeah. goalie in the league from this past season and have no idea what they're going to do next season. They could be a below they could be a below average backup for all we know. Goalies are just so volatile that way, and so trading for Matt Murray, I don't see how that actually solves anything. You can't expect him to be a starter next year when goalies are so... When you, when you never really know what you're going to get out of him. So, um, that's kind of my position on trading for goalies in general. Um, in terms of uh, my other point... Oh, it was from Ari's piece. My favorite point in Ari's piece was that um, like, just think of everything that we've had to go through to get to this point where we have so many draft picks. All the players we've traded through, <laughs> all the hell that the PR Dorian's put us through, keeping us on our toes for months on end so that we could have these extra draft picks and trading away all our favorite players. Like, geez, like, give us at least the, the satisfaction of using these picks to get some good players that we can see develop and be kind of the successor to the last core. So, it, yeah, that's a great point. So, so, get, so trading picks for roster players just doesn't seem like it's it's worth it to me at all like just just give us 
just give us just give us this one thing Pierre Dwayne just give it to us so <laughs> yeah uh I will say no matter what it you know they're gonna keep the third and the fifth and I think bare minimum they have 11 picks I would say you know if they end up moving two so at least they'll still be they'll still have a, a ton of picks but you're right I would prefer to keep all 13 uh unless you can get that real impact talent but I'm not I don't know. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers with that. All right. Yeah. Well, we got a whole bunch of listener questions, so should we move on to that? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Well, first one comes in from a friend of the show, Jared Gibson. Has the cost for point cast faction in my manifestation of a Quinton Blythefield third overall selection into the rankings? And the answer is, hell yes, Jared. We have done that. We are all Team Quinton. We are right with you there. <laughs> Love it. All right. Next one comes in from Alexander G. Says... Sounds like Detroit is pretty much guaranteed to take Perfetti, meaning Ottawa is lined up to take Raymond. Let's say Detroit actually takes Raymond. Who becomes your pick at number five? Does it become Perfetti, or do you look to someone else? So there's a bunch of players, as I kind of mentioned before, who I'd be really happy with, but I really, really like Marco Rossi. And I think I'd love to see him at fifth overall, actually. Um, Just the way he dominated dominated the OHL last year at extremely high levels it's, it's rare that you see draft eligible prospects win this vhl scoring title and marco rossi did that in spades so while he is a shorter player uh he ha- he, he 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 i don't see how that how that holds him back for the nhl level he is such a gifted skater uh so super strong player he has an incredible worth at work ethic and plus I mean, we, can, we can talk about his offensive skill set for days like all, all the versatile tools that he brings to the table makes me like i i'd love him at fifth overall if they don't take lucas raymond um, so mm-hmm. that, that's kind of my, uh, take on that. But of course, Perfetti, Glendale, Holtz, Drysdale, there's so many options in so many different directions you could take. Like it also comes down to like personal preference on what kind of style of player you want to So I wouldn't knock the sense if they went for any of those guys too. So, um, by food right is still the dream and I still hope that becomes what we end up with on, uh, October 7th. But, um, yeah, Marco Rossi, we might pick after that. Yeah, I, I would agree. Rossi, Rossi and then Perfetti for me as well. All right. Well, this next one comes in from Sens I, uh, Sens, OTT Sens I on Twitter. Uh, rank these from best to worst. Uh, so we put a whole bunch of different third and fifth overall pairs in here. So there's Byfield and Quinn, Byfield and Sanderson, Byfield and Askarov. Then you go Stutzla and Quinn, Stutzla, Sanderson, Stutzla, Askarov. So do, do you have a personal preference here? Yeah. So, I mean, for me... It would be the top three would be the ones that have Byfield in there just because I'm so high on him. So I would go, I think I'm pretty similar to you. I would go Byfield, Sanderson, Byfield, Quinn, Byfield, Askarov. And then I would go pretty much that same, but swap in Stutzla. So Stutzla, Quinn, Stutzla, Sanderson, Stutzla, Askarov. Okay. So I actually like Sanderson a bit, bit better than Quinn. I come around on Sanderson quite a bit in the past six months, I guess. Just watching more tape on him and, and seeing uh, how well he is in terms of underlying numbers and how great he is in transition. So, Byfield Sanderson is my number one choice, then Byfield Quinn. Um, and of course, because I'm pretty low on Askarov, I actually have Stutzla Sanderson before I, I put Byfield Askarov. So, Stutzla Sanderson, Stutzla Quinn, Byfield Askarov at fifth, Stutzla Askarov at sixth. You'll probably have to see the tweet if you want to follow along with that, but uh, Byfield Sanderson of those ones is probably my personal favorite, at least. So. Yeah, yeah, and and you know I'd still be pretty happy with with that because as you say, Sanderson is probably too high at fifth, but 
he's still going to be a really solid defenseman. So, yeah. For sure. Um, so this next one comes in from May the Forsberg be with you. Nice Twitter name. Um, <laughs> is Askarov at is 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 Askarov a real possibility at fifth overall? I mean, like we said earlier, Merrick had said me either him, Quinn, or Sanderson could be an option at five. I don't know. Dorian didn't really make it seem like they were going to draft a goalie there, so I would probably say no. Um, I can't count anything out really, though, just because of how many options there are at five, but I wouldn't really... Like, if you're worried about taking Askarov at five, I wouldn't really worry about it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, also, like, it's been so long since the Sens have taken a Russian in general, and especially a Russian from Russia. Yes. So, um, Askarov definitely falls into that category of places that the Sens have probably not scouted as much, but at the same time, it, it, at the same time, the Sens haven't drafted any Germans either, and they could be taking Stutzla. So I'm sure if they've done the research... But, uh, yeah, the Russian factor maybe plays a bit into that, too. But uh, I, I, I'd i say it's unlikely. I wouldn't count it out completely. But, uh, yeah, just unlikely at this point. For sure. Now, uh, next one comes from friend of the show, uh, Slow Hands on Twitter. Joe. He says, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> he says, worst possible outcome if they go off the board with five. Well, if you want to talk about the worst possible outcome, uh, I... I I follow, follow Will Scout on Twitter because he's he's uh, great at all things draft coverage. But I, he had a good quote the other day. The worst idea in the world would probably be to draft some kid who's never heard of ice hockey out of some biology classroom <laughs> in Sri Lanka. <laughs> so worst possible outcome is probably that. That's not realistic at all, of course. Uh, so the w- worst realistic option, um, given the rumors, it would be, be for Askarov, I'd say, just because of that randomness, or go- randomness for goalies. And then I guess Quinn would be my runner-up to that because... Uh, of all the talent they'd be leaving off the board. So either way, I mean, is these are still two amazing prospects, but uh, yeah, Askarov would probably be my, my worst realistic option in this case. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Just, you know, it, because of who would be left on the board. Um, yeah. All right, this one's from Bronson on Twitter. Uh, how many second round draft picks will Dorian trade away for players we don't want or need? Yeah, so we kind of touched on this. Um I could see them moving, you know, I, I will predict that they move at least one. Um, I, I could see them trading one for a player and then maybe trading like a second and a third to move up in the second. So, you know, end up moving one second and one third. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not too optimistic in terms of who that player will be um, coming to Ottawa. Yeah, I can't forget the Islanders' first round pick there either. But if it's one, it's too many. That's just my take. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this next one comes in from Mike Little. I uh, get on Twitter uh, over under on absolute head scratching sense picks. There's between he mentioned Victor Loden, Kastovich, Novak, Burgess in that kind of tier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, with 13 picks, there's gonna be some <laughs> real head scratchers. I would say, I mean, it's got to be at least two. I could definitely see three. Um, you know, they, they normally take some pretty strange players in like the fourth and fifth rounds. And then sometimes in the sixth and seventh, they go for a bit more skill. So I could see a couple in the four, five, six rounds where it's just very strange. 
Yeah, well, Mike Whittle is kind of right with me there in that we're kind of pessimistic on the sense drafting skills, it seems. But, <laughs> I mean, to be, to be honest, if we're talking about absolute head-scratchers of the of the players you mentioned, I'd probably only put Loden and Burgess in that tier. Uh, Kasowicz and Novak, I think, have some re- redeemable redeemable qualities, at least. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's probably going to be Tim Boyle least... as well. Oh, yeah, but that, that's, that's, that's been a while at this point. But Yeah, uh, that's true. But, yeah, I, I, I say probably... There will probably be a couple. I mean, the Sens are, we, we know that the Sens are limited in their scouting ability and that uh, they have uh, some of their tendencies that they tend to go for. So, um, yeah, it'll probably be like two or three, maybe, I don't know, hopefully zero, but we'll see. Yeah. Sens be Sens. Yes. Next one comes in, another friend from the show, Spencer Blake. He says, what are the three most likely ways the Sens will mess up between now and the start of training camp? So, not another uh, <laughs> pessimistic <laughs> question, but we'll go for it. Uh, so I actually have these ranked from one to three, and I'll start doing. I'll do a little bit of a countdown. My number three here is to trade the Islanders first for a goalie. We kind of mentioned all the reasons I wouldn't want to do that. Number two is to trade their second or third round picks for players we don't really need. Again, following the trend of of we don't need we don't need to be trading picks. And my number one is Eugene Melnick speaks to the media because we all know how badly that will always turn out. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, I can I can see a bunch of those happening. To be honest, unfortunately. All right, this, this next one comes in from Anonymous Drew. Um, how much of the $22 million in cap space needed to reach the floor will be taken by RFAs? Did the Sens trader walk away from any RFAs other than England, given that there is a logjam of prospects seemingly ready to step into the NHL? Uh, well, for the second part, it seems like England might not be qualified. He's playing over in, uh, I believe it was Sweden right now. Yeah. And, you know, there's no real need to keep him around, so... I think Horaluck is not guaranteed to stay. I would like to see him stay, especially, yep. um, you know, after they buy Ryan. It's even more room they have now. So I'd like to see that happen. Everyone else, I'm sure they'll they'll keep for RFAs. Um, do you want to take the the contract stuff though? Because I know you sure there. Yeah, I did a bit of math here. Um, go to evolvinghockey.com. They have amazing contract protections there for RFAs, UFAs, all that sort of stuff. You can actually. Um, <laughs> I like how you can actually toggle on their site between whether they sign with their own team or a different team and actually makes a difference. But these types of contract protections are actually historically pretty good at predicting things pretty accurately. So um, I, I, I suggest just going to the site if you want to see the full breakdown of this. But in total, between Chris Tierney, Connor Brown, Duclair, Nick Paul, uh, Haraluk, I can never say his name right, <laughs> and, and, and Rudolph Balsers, that takes up about $14.7 million in cap space. So not $22 million. So they still will have some cap space left, and I imagine uh, either there will be some overpaid players on there, or some um, UFAs coming in, or some players through the trades that we mentioned with the picks, maybe. I, I don't know. But uh, AHL call-ups as well will we'll give them some um, so some extra room to hit the cap, to, to hit that cap for because of, the, of their entry-level mm-hmm. contract. So they still need to have a full roster on their team eventually, and right now they just don't have that, so... Um, I'm not. I'm not worried that they'll get there eventually. Um, I'm not sure what happens if they don't get there, honestly. But um, yeah, fourteen point seven. Fourteen point seven million is the current total for RFAs. But I imagine things will be changing. Changing uh, between then, anyways. Yeah. So I mean, in, in all honesty, it's probably maybe like four or five million they have to add to get to the floor. Maybe a bit less. Um, so you know, that's adding one or two players. Um, which, you know, will happen anyway. It seems like they're pretty much guaranteed to trade for somebody and then maybe even take on a bad contract as well. 
But yeah. um, all right, let's yeah. power through these questions. We got a lot of yeah, go. Let's go for it. <laughs> all right, this one's from Steve at Leb Goalie. Uh, he has two questions. Uh, the first one is to give us the uh, top three UFAs that the Senators could or should target, and what the new contracts might look like. And the second question is top five potential trade targets, either cap dumps or good players that other teams can't afford to keep. And what a potential trade for each might look like. So we didn't really go into as much detail, but uh, Trevor, do you have any answers here? Uh, well, for the UFAs, um, it's kind of hard to look at who they could like realistically target. Um, someone that might be interesting is Mikael Granlund. He had a down year. Um, maybe they can sign him for like four and a half million or something. I, I believe he was making five point seven five, somewhere around there, high fives. Um, but yeah, and in terms of cheaper options, I was looking at Connor Sherry, Pat Maroon, maybe um, Reclamation Project with Alex Galchenyuk, Trevor Lewis, Kyle Clifford, Eric Halla, and then on uh, D, guys like Chris Tanev, Justin Braun, Ron Hainsey, of course, uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and Michael Stone. So I know that's not top three, but it's <laughs> kind of hard to rank them. So there was just a bunch of guys that I'd at least keep an eye on, you know, yeah. who they could potentially sign. I think your your Michael Granglund equivalent for me is Craig Smith. I mentioned him in a previous episode too. Um, yeah. I, I've, of course, he'll probably be needing a bit more money than than what the Suns are going to be willing to pay, as UFAs tend to work. But he's an absolute stat starring, so I'd be fine with him. But it, in terms of like likely and who we think they should target, it's kind of boring, honestly, because all the options are probably like guys who are probably only going to need one or two million as you kind of mentioned all those players they're, they're not going to be exciting players in free agency they aren't going to be going for Braden Holtby or Alex Pietrangelo or any of those guys yeah we all know they're out of that so um yeah I, I'd actually look at some I actually would be interested to wait a bit and see uh if there are any interesting players who don't get qualifying offers from their teams because every year there seems to maybe be one or two surprises who at least because they're because they're younger too, they might be able to fit in with what the Sens are, are looking for. Easily, like Anthony Duclair, he wasn't qualified one year. Uh, happened with Robin Leonard. Yeah, it happened with Robin Leonard too. Um, I'm pretty sure Mike Hoffman even was that way one year too. Or, no, he went through waivers. I'm getting things waivers, confused. Waivers, yeah. Now. But uh, yeah, so in terms of, of uh, trade targets, let's actually move on to the next question because this this addresses this too. Um, this one comes from Joe again. Another question. Love you, Joe. Um, so. <laughs> Funniest cat four compliance contracts. And then also uh, Steve had a oh, similar yeah. question as well, where he asks, are there any cap dumps that you can see us acquiring that would involve receiving a fourth first round pick? Um, don't know if they'll be receiving a, a first. We saw Detroit get a second for Mark Stahl yesterday. Um, so, you know, we, we talked about this last episode. So, the guys that I mentioned there were Louis Erickson, James James Neal, um, Milan Lucic, Alex Steen, Brandon Sutter, uh, Johnny Boychuk, Kyle Clutterbuck, Anton Strahlman, and Kyle Poso. So I think any one of those guys could be moved because realistically, those those teams need to shed some salary. So I, at the same time, I don't know if Melnick is going to be willing to take on such big deals, even if it's just for one year. So I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess, that they would do this but I'm not totally sure they would. Yeah, I would have hoped they would have made that Mark Stahl trade. That would have been perfect for the Sens yeah. to, to try and do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, at the same time, Stahl was a, a left-handed defenseman, but I could just see them buying him out as well. But I, I'm pretty sure there's also an, a limit to the amount of contracts he can buy out too. And didn't they do that with Dion Phaneuf as well? So yeah, get... well, so yeah, because he's still on the books like for a tiny yeah. bit. 
So I'm not sure how that, that will work, but they'll, they'll, there's a limit, I think, three players that can be bought out at the same time. And so they have two right now with Ryan and Phaneuf. Um, so, hmm. yeah, they, they, maybe they'll fall into that kind of thing. But there's, there's still an extra option. So uh, next question. This one comes from Tate Frazier. Uh, another friend of the show. Actually, you're all our friends of the show. If you're giving us questions, we all we all appreciate all this. So, uh, thank you everybody for submitting your questions. But Tate, uh, your question is, is your question says, with it sounding likely the Sens will go look to add a goalie, who would be your preferred options for them to target? Personally, I would look at Hank Henrik Lundqvist for one year to mentor Hogberg or James Reimer, who could possibly possibly be had for cheaper as a trade option. Yeah, I think Reimer could be had for pretty cheap. Probably just like you know, a fourth or fifth round pick, to be honest. Um, and then, I don't know, Henrik, I really can't see him coming to Ottawa because, you know, I'm yeah. sure he'll want to, even if he's just a backup somewhere, I'm sure he'll want to be like a backup for, you know, some team that's actually going to be contending. Um, so yeah, I can't see that happening. But, you know, it, it, it didn't seem like Nielsen was that healthy. So I could certainly see them trading for or maybe signing a goalie Reimer like you said is an option maybe someone like Thomas Grice I don't know if he'd be too expensive yeah there's there's a few I mean Corpusalo is on the trade block like we were saying earlier Matt Murray as well I could certainly see any one of those guys yeah my my, my kind of approach to this is to not trade for goalies because they are random and you don't want to undermine their prospect system either um Someone like Murray is not the solution when they have prospects that are working their way up right now. And the options right now are fine enough at free agency that they just need to patch a hole, essentially, for, for one or two years. Um, yeah, so there's no reason to give up picks or young assets when that's what they really need. It's just like someone to fill, the, fill those gaps. So I have my top four options of unrestricted free agents. Um, no order, but Cam Talbot, uh, maybe the return of Brian Elliott, uh, Laurent Brassois. I think I said that right. And, and Aaron Dell are four guys who in the past few seasons have actually put up positive uh, goal saved uh, above expected numbers. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, the, the, no sexy names here. It's just a matter of getting someone as a stopgap option. I mean, heck, Andres Nielsen was that stopgap option for a bit and he turned into uh, under, like a fine goalie. And same with Mike Condon even. It's, these are guys that the Sens just gave up like little, little bits of assets for and that turned out to be serviceable players. So no need to give up any more than they need to. Totally. And, um, you know, like like we've been saying this whole episode, it's, you just really hope that they don't give up, you know, a first or, or even really a second, to be honest, for a guy like Murray and then see him implode. Because there's been a couple seasons where he hasn't been very good. So um, he obviously has the two Stanley Cups. He has that pedigree. But um, I don't think they're at the point in the rebuild where, they need to be adding somebody like kind of like that last piece. Um, I think they'll still be like at the bottom in the standings for at least another season. So maybe in a, in a year, if they've taken a real step forward, maybe you think about adding a goaltender if Hogberg and Decord aren't good enough, but um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's our last question for this episode. Thank you everybody for sending it in. But uh, this isn't in our script, but I think there's something that uh, we need to finish this off with. And that is, as Jared said, our manifestation of Quinton Byfield. So I think it's best that we just end this off with a Byfield manifestation chant. Do you want to join me? Byfield. 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 Kind of hard to do I this think that was a bit uh, off. On a delay. But that's it. That's, well, that's okay. I'll line it up in, uh, <laughs> in when I'm editing it. <laughs>
<laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, well, everyone, I hope you enjoy the draft. We will definitely have lots of content uh, afterwards as well, so keep out for that. And yeah, we'll see you then. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost Per Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you really enjoy it, you can rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS, and you can follow Colin on Twitter at CudmoreColin, and read his articles at Silver7Sends. You can also follow my YouTube channel called The Hockey Shack, where I'll be providing lots of content about the NHL in general. If you want to submit a listener question for an upcoming episode, send us a message at CPPointCast on Twitter, where you'll get notified about any updates about the show. The draft is almost here, people. I hope you're excited. Adios.